Good evening, everybody. So the topic tonight, this is our 12th shir on Tanakh and in Yonad Yayma. And the topic tonight is the final words of David HaMelech, how to give rebuke and how to accept rebuke. The final words of David HaMelech are the Haftarah of Parshas Vayichi, the Parshas that we just learned, and we'll get to that in a minute. So giving rebuke is something that we do more often than we imagine. We sometimes do it openly, like to our children or siblings or others. And we often do it more subtly, like through expressions, rolled eyes, uh, body language, attitude, or we convey it in our tone of voice. But giving rebuke is, it's a risky business. In this past week's parish, in Parashas Vayechi, Yaakov gives rebuke. He gives rebuke, starting with his son, Ruvain. And Rashi, not here in Parshas Vayechi, but actually Rashi in the beginning of Sefer Devarim, brings a fascinating medrash. And the medrash says that Yaakov Avinu never gave Ruvain rebuke. The very first time he gave him rebuke was now, right before he passed away, the point right before he died. And he says, you know why? Because he was worried that Ruvain, if he were to rebuke him, he might abandon Yaakov Avinu and join forces with Esau Harashev. That's what Rashi says. He was, he was worried. And imagine that. Ruvain, who was the Bukhar of the Shifte Ka, Tzadikim beyond compare, was suspected that because of rebuke he would abandon Yaakov Avinu and join with Esau Harashev. So the Mepharshim give different explanations to this, but they aren't, they, those aren't so relevant to us right now to understand exactly what that means, that Ruvain perhaps would have uh, you know, abandoned Yaakov Avinu. But one thing they do say, which is a very important point, and that is that whenever giving rebuke, extreme care has to be taken that the person being rebuked doesn't feel like a failure, a lost case, a disappointment. Right? The greatest of people, as we see, are at risk of falling through the cracks if they were to feel that, that they're, they're, they're hopeless, they're a failure. Punishing and giving out consequences is actually less risky and less difficult than giving rebuke. If a rule is made and, and it's transgressed, then the consequence is often appropriate. And people understand that and they accept it as long as it's, as long as it's fair and consistent. But rebuke is something which is highly personal. It's hurtful, it could be very deflating. And my brother-in-law would like to say that he would take a patch from his parents over a speech any day. <laughs> so, giving rebuke is, is tricky. And with this in mind, I want to learn through the topic of David HaMelech and Shimi ben Gera, the rebuke he gave, how David HaMelech accepted it, and how it was given, and what we can learn from both sides. In the beginning of Sefer Mulachim, which is the Haftar of Parshas Vayechi, David HaMelech gives his final words, his final will, Final will and testament, the tzavah, wasn't actually anything to do with his property, but it was his spiritual will, what he expected from Shlaim HaMelech. And he, he gives him a command, he requests him to do three things. And each one of those three things is a fascinating lesson within itself. But I want to focus on the final command that David HaMelech gives. It's literally David HaMelech's final words before he dies. And that was to execute Shimi ben Ger, to kill Shimi ben Ger. So here are the psukim. I'm going to screen share them. <clears throat> okay. 
I'll just move this over. So it's a Malach, right in the beginning of Malachim. And the Pasik says, Vihine, he's da- this is David Amalek talking to to Shlaim HaMalach. Vihine Imcha Shivim Ben with you is Shivim Ben And we'll see what that means in a minute. With you. Ben Hayamini, who's from Sheva Ben Yamin, Mi Bachurim, from the city of Bachurim. And he cursed me, a very clear and, and well-explained curse. When I traveled Machanayim. But then he went and met me by the Yarden. We'll see what all these things mean soon. And I swore to him in the name of Hashem, I won't kill you with a sword. Don't let him get off free. You're a wise man. You'll figure out a way to have him deserve the death penalty. And you'll make sure that his old age, he dies not a natural death. He goes to his grave with them. David died with his fathers. This was David's very final words of his life was that Shimon Ben-Gera had to be punished. <clears throat> so who was Shimon Ben-Gera? Who was he? Let's, let's first let's try to understand who Shimon Ben-Gera was. Shimon Ben-Gera was the Rosh Sanhedrin. What does the Rosh Sanhedrin mean? That means he was effectively the greatest Talmud Chacham and the Gadol Hadar of Klai Yisrael at the time. That means he was Rav Chaim Kanievsky, Rav, Chaim Kanievsky, Rav Shach, the Chavetz Chaim, Rav Avadji Yosef, the Gera Rebbe, the Satmar Rebbe, Every single great leader of a generation, all rolled in one. He was the greatest leader of Klal Yisrael. There was no one greater than him. The undisputed greatest leader uh, of Anton Belchachim of the generation. He was the head of the highest court of the land. There was a whole pre- a succession of courts. There was the courts of Bezdins of three people, of 23 people. And you, you know, the greater you were, you were promoted to a higher position. And it wasn't a voting system. It depended on erudition. It depended on how, how big of a Talmud Chacham you were and how big of a Tzaddik you were. And the greatest Bezdin was the Bezdin of Ayin Aleph, the Lishka Sagazas, the Sanhedrin, and he was the head of that Bezdin. So he was the greatest Talmud Chacham of the generation. And he had tremendous power. And not only that, but Shimei ben Geir was Shloimeh HaMelech's personal Rebbe. And that's why it says, Hine Imcha Shimei ben Geir. Shimei ben Geir is with you. Because he was his Rebbe. And it makes sense, because... Shem Melech was what you might call a precocious child. Right? He was the smartest, wisest man that ever lived. He couldn't just have anybody teach him. He probably could teach everybody else. It stands to reason that only the biggest Hamel Chacham of the generation was capable of teaching him anything. And Shem Megair was his Rebbe. And Shem Megair did teach Shlom HaMelech. So this is who Shlom, this is who Shem Megair was. And David HaMelech commands Shlom to find a creative way to execute him. To put him to death. So what did Shimi do? How did he deserve the death penalty? So let's learn the Psukim in Shmuel Beis, it's Parakhtazain, which tell us the account of David running for his life in the middle of the night with a few of his loyal supporters to escape his son Absalom. Absalom, his son, had successfully staged a revolt and an uprising and had turned Klal Yisrael against David Hamalach. And this is where David is now running for his life. Now I'm going to share the screen. We'll see these psukim. So the pasuk says in Shmuel Beis, Perak Tazayin, Ba Melech David ad Bachurim. David Melech came to the city of Bachurim. Vehine, Misham Ish Yaitze. From there, a person departed. Mimishpachas Beis Shaul. He was from the family of Shaul Hamelach, also from Binyamin. 
His name was Shimon ben Geir. He was leaving and he was cursing. And he threw stones at David HaMelech. And all the servants who were with him. And all his soldiers from his right and his left. And this is what Shimi said as he was cursing him. Leave, you, you murderer. Uh, a bloody person, and Blial uh, means like a, uh, a bandit. The Heshev Hashem, Hashem is bringing back upon your head all the blood of the house of Shaul, that you took the kingdom from him. And now the Hashem is giving the kingdom and Avishalom, your son. It's because of your evil, because you're, you're, you're a murderer. So now, what was Shimon Megera accusing David Amalekh of? Right, this is at David Amalekh's lowest point in his life. His 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 kingdom is being taken away from him. A tremendous betrayal on the part of his son. Tremendous betrayal on the part of Klal Yisrael that he did so much for. He's running, just trying to save his life. And Shimon Megera comes out the Rosh Sanhedrin and humiliates him. Doesn't just curse him. He throws stones at him. We're going to see. He throws earth at him, and he continues to accuse him of being a murderer. Who did he murder? So Shemigir was accusing him of being instrumental in the murder of Shal HaMelech's son. Shal HaMelech had a son, Ishbaishes, who survived Shal HaMelech after Shal HaMelech was killed. And he ruled for part of the time and part of Eretz Yisrael, while David HaMelech began to rule over a different part of Eretz Yisrael. And David HaMelech didn't do anything to Ishbaishes, he allowed him to continue. But then Ishbaishes was murdered. And it was murdered by people that thought that David Amalek would appreciate them being uh, him them murdering Ishbaishis and David Amalek when he found out actually put them to death. But people thought incorrectly that David Amalek was behind the murder. It was a political murder, assassination, and he assassinated his rival king, Ishbaishis, and that's what Shimon Benguer was accusing him of. Inc- wrongly, but he was accusing him of that and he was calling him a murderer and he was cursing him and he was throwing rocks at him. Now this is a very suicidal thing to do because look at the next Pasuk, we're up to Vayoymer, it's on the fourth line, Vayoymer Avishai ben Sruya al-Amalach, so Avishai ben Sruya was one of the top generals and an extraordinarily strong person, he told the king why would we allow this dead dog to curse as Adeni HaMelech let me cross over of Asiris Reisha and I'll remove his head, he was a Mayrid B'malchus. He was deserving the death penalty. He was rebelling against David. And this is one of the greatest acts, the greatest control of character, the greatest display of a beautiful character trait almost in history. What do I and you have over here, children of Tzruya? You know why he's cursing? Because Hashem commanded him. This is not literal, figuratively. Hashem commanded him, curse David. Who has the right to say, Why are you doing this? He's not choosing to do this. Hashem is causing him to do this. So he told Avisha and all his servants, My child that I gave birth to is trying to kill me. And now, just because he, this Ben Haimini, this, this person from Shev Ben Yamin, leave him. Let him curse. Hashem commanded him to. Hashem will see my pain. And Hashem will perhaps have mercy on me and give me something good for accepting this curse.
They continued on their way. He didn't stop. He continued. But Hari followed them. Going across from parallel. So he didn't stop. He kept on cursing. He kept on throwing rocks. And he kept on throwing earth at them. So he humiliated David HaMelech in the greatest way possible. He cursed him. He, he, he threw rocks at him. He accused him of something he hadn't done, and it was at his lowest point in his life. And David Amal says, it's not him. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking to me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu literally told him to say this. It has nothing to do with me. We can't even ask why is he doing it. And David Amal presumably doesn't attribute it to Shimi ben Ger. <clears throat> now later, what happens is, that David Melch is triumphant. They, they put down the rebellion. He kills out the army of Avishalom. Avishalom is put to death by Yoyev ben Shruya, David Melch's general. And then David Melch is returning. Now, every, the whole of Klai Israel is kind of in a quandary now, because some of them were with David Melch, but other of them had supported the rebellion. And David Melch didn't want to create a huge civil war. So he allowed people to return, and he forgave them. But one of the people that came to return and to ask for forgiveness was none other than Shimi ben Geri himself. And he comes and he says the following psukim later on in Shmuel. He says, and it's actually very important the language he uses. It says in Parakut Tes, Vayemar Shimi ben Geri ben Ayamini Hashim Yabachurim, he hurried. Vayered him Ish Yehuda, he came together with people from Shevet Yehuda, Lakras Hamalach David, to meet David Hamalach. The Elif Ish Ima, he brought a thousand people with him. We bin Yaman from Shevet bin Yaman, with Siva Narbe Shaul, and Siva who had served Shaul, Vachamesh Sasur Bonav, and his fifteen children, of Esther Mavadavita, and his twenty servants with him. The Tzolchua Yard and Lefne Hamalach, and they split the yard in front of the king. And this is what he told the king. Don't hold it against me. Don't hold this sin against me. And don't remember this sin that your servant did the day that my master, the king, left Yerushalayim. But don't put, take it to heart. I know that I did a sin. I came first of all of Shevet Yosef. Now he was from Binyamin. But for some reason, he attributes it to Yosef. Now, this is important. I came first of all Beis Yosef, to come and to greet Adonai Hamalch and to re accept him once again as a king. And you know what David Hamalch does? Avisha ben Tzriya once again says, Hey, you can't let him get away with this. And he wants to kill him. And David Hamalch says, No, we are not going to put him to death. Today, I've been declared king, and this is a beautiful discussion for Slichas, but I'm not, no one is going to die today, and he swears to Shimi Megera that you're not going to be put to death, you're not going to be punished. So he lets Shimi go. But then, as he's about to pass away, he tells Shalim HaMelech, hey, Shimi Megera needs to be executed. So wait. He said, it wasn't Shimi cursing me, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's Hashem cursing me. And he says, it's, it's, I'm going, no one's going to die today. He swears to Shemi Begeri, you're going to be absolved. Then comes the day of his death, and he tells Shalom HaMelech, this is my final words, execute Shemi Begeri. He needs to be put to death. So this is an amazing story from many angles, so let's try to understand it. First of all, what possessed Shemi Begeri to do this? Why did he do this? Why did he curse 
David HaMelech, and then come running and, and, and apologize. What? He was the Rosh Sanhedrin. Why would he do a thing like that? Why did he attack David on this most terrible day of his life when he was running from, from his, his child that was rebelling against him and the whole Klai Yisrael betrayed him? And then David demonstrates this tremendous character but yet wants to take revenge on Shimi at the end of his life. So what's going on here? So to understand a little bit of what's going on, or I think better said, to understand how little we understand of what's going on, let's, there's a Zayar, Zayar Kaddish, in Parshas Mishpatim, that actually goes through this story at length. And there's just a couple of points I want to take out of there. And the Gemara, the first thing the Zayar HaKadosh says is that we should understand, Tachazi says, that what Shimi ben Gera did to David HaMelech was worse than anything that happened to him up till that point in his life. Shimon ben Gera's humiliation of David HaMelech was worse for him than anything that he experienced up to that point in his life. Now that's saying a lot. David HaMelech had a what we would call a tragic life. Although he was in the Imzmir Yisrael, he said beautiful Sefer Tehillim, the beautiful, most beautiful poems of Shiraz and Sishbach, Baruch Hu. he had a terrible life. When he was born, he was considered to be an illegitimate child. Took a long time to clear that up. And he was chased his whole life by Shaul Hamelech. His parents were killed violently. His wives were taken away from him. And he lived as, as a fugitive much of his life. And now his son was rebelling against him. His own son. And the whole Klai was betraying him. And this is just a few of the things that he, he suffered. There were many things he suffered. But this, Chazal say, the Zayar says, was the absolute worst humiliation he ever had in his life, that the Rosh Sanhedrin humiliated him in front of everybody. And David Amal did what he was meant to do, he accepted it. But then the, the Zayar asks, what possessed Shimi ben to do this? He was a Talmud Chacham, why did he do this? And the Zayar says, a Kaddish Baruch Hu forced him to do it. Kaddish Baruch Hu put the words in his mouth, didn't give him a choice. And that's what made him say it. And David HaMelech recognized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to hear this so that he could truly break his heart and do tshuva shlema. And he cried bitter tears. And through accepting the rebuke and totally subjugating himself, humbling himself in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it was the schus he needed so that he could be forgiven. And which the Zaire explains, he needed to be forgiven for the sin of, of Bathsheba. So he was forgiven for that sin, and there, thereby his life was saved, and he returned to the kingdom and triumphed over Abishal. So this was all for the sake of that for happening. Now, this area needs to be understood, because how is that fair? HaKadosh Baruch Hu forces Shimi to say this, and then he gets punished for it and gets the death sentence for it. And he basically goes down in history as a terrible, evil person that went and humiliated uh, David HaMalach at his lowest point. So we have to understand that. I'll explain that in a minute. But then the Zerah asks, why did he put him to death? After all that, he forgave him, he let him go, he recognizes from Hashem, why did he put him to death? The Zerah asks that question. And the Zerah says what, two fascinating things. One thing the Zerah says is that actually David Melch wasn't commanding Shlomo to put him to death. He was commanding him to let him die on his own. What the Zerah explains is, is that Shimi Ben-Ger cursed David Melch. Those curses being that they were not deserved, did not stick to David HaMelech, and they actually got reflected back on Shimi. So Shimi had this curse hovering over his head. This, what Shlomo HaMelech did was merely 
he says he exposed him to a sword that had Hashem's name on it. He exposed him to the name of Hashem, and those courses then stuck to Shimi, and that's how he died. He basically died at, on, from his own words. That's what Desire explains. And uh, the understanding Desire is saying is that David Amalek was doing him a favor. He had these curses hovering over his head. If they would have followed him into the next world, that would have been terrible for him. So David Amalek said, See, Shlem Amalek, you know how you can make this happen. That those curses should stick to him in this world, and he should get finished with them in this world, so that he doesn't have to suffer with them in the world to come. The next thing that the Zayar says, which is what we'll focus on a little bit more, is that David HaMelech could not forgive Shimi. He was a Melech, and he represented Midas HaMalchus in this world. A Melech Shemachal Al Kvoida Ein Kvoida Machal. A king cannot forgive. And the way that's to be understood is that a king represents Malchus Shemaim. A king represents the whole of Klal Yisrael. He's our representative. He can't forgive. It's not him to forgive. It's us. So he couldn't forgive Shimi. This is what the Zara says. Now let's try to understand this. <clears throat> I believe that Shimi ben Geir was actually entitled to rebuke David HaMalach. And that actually would not, the actual fact that he rebuked him would not have been incorrect. That wouldn't have been the wrong thing to do. What went wrong was his method, his chosen method of rebuking by David HaMalach. And that teaches us a very important lesson of how rebuke has to be given. And what's more amazing is that David HaMelech was able to see past that and accept the rebuke nonetheless. The Zaire says that Shemi ben was forced to rebuke David HaMelech. I don't think that means that Hashem put the idea in his head to give the rebuke. No. Shemi ben wanted to rebuke David HaMelech. He wanted to give to rebuke to David HaMelech and he wanted to give that rebuke in precisely the way he gave it. He wanted to humiliate David HaMelech in front of all his people. And rebuke him for being a murderer and orchestrating the death of Ishbaishas. Shimon Megayer didn't have the nerve, the courage to do it. And true, truly, it was suicidal. He was doing it in front of all David's troops who were just ready to cut his head off. That's what Hashkadish Baruch forced him to do. That Bechira Hashkadish Baruch took away from him. He was ready to curse. He was ready to rebuke. He was ready to humiliate David Amal. He just didn't have the nerve to do it. Hashkadish Baruch took that Nisayan away from him and made him curse David HaMelech at this particular time and to deliver the greatest humiliation possible. But the actual choice to rebuke, that was Shimi ben own choice. <clears throat> and to understand better why this happened and why this was set up, let's look at the greater picture over here. There's a bigger picture. There's something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu built into the system of Malchus, Malchus Yehuda, from its very inception. David HaMelech was rebuked by Shemim ben Geira. Shlomo HaMelech received rebuke in his lifetime as well. Shlomo HaMelech was rebuked by none other than Yeruvah ben Nevat. Yeruvah ben Nevat was the one who eventually went into a civil war with the son of Shlomo HaMelech, Rechavam, and it was at that point that the kingdom of Klai Yisrael divided into two. Shlomo HaMelech and his dynasty were the Malchai Yehuda, and the rest, Yeravim and his dynasty, till they, were, till they were killed out, and then the successive Malchus Yisrael ruled over the rest of Klai Yisrael, which is collectively termed Malchus Beis Yisef. So there were two kingdoms in Klai Yisrael. There was Malchus Beis Yisef and Malchus Yehuda. Yeravim ben Nevat rebuked Shlomo HaMelech. And the Gemara Sanhedrin tells us a fascinating thing. The Gemara Sanhedrin, Daf Kufal of says, that do you know why Yeravim ben Nevat merited to become the king over Malchus Beis Yosef? 
because he rebuked Shlomo HaMelech, precisely because he rebuked Baal Shlomo HaMelech, was why he was Zeicha to become the king over Klai Yisrael. But then the Gemara says, why then was he such a failure? How did he become an idol worshipper? Why did his whole thing fall apart? The Gemara answers, because he rebuked him publicly. And that was the key. He rebuked him for a valid reason. What was the rebuke that, that, Shimei, uh, that um, Yeravim Menevat gave Shleim HaMelech? The rebuke was that David HaMelech had broken open the wall of Yerushalayim to create more ground space for the people who are Eulah Regal. They should have a place to sleep, a place to pitch their tents and sleep. So David HaMelech had done that, broken open the wall. Shleim HaMelech rebuilt it, closed it off because he wanted to create a larger campground for Bas Paroi's troops to camp in. Shalom HaMelech had married the daughter of Paroi, and he wanted to create a larger area for her soldiers to camp in, he made, to build a palace for her. So Yerav Menevad approached Shalom HaMelech and he said, your father, David HaMelech, broke open this wall for Tzayrach Mitzvah for the sake of the Eul Regal. They should have place to pitch their tents and come visit the Beis HaMikdash, and you are closing the wall for the sake of the daughter of Paroi? That was the rebuke he gave David HaMelech, I mean Shlaim HaMelech, and he was right for giving that rebuke. And because he gave that rebuke, he merited to become the king over Malchus Beis Yisif. But because he gave it publicly, he failed as that king. And because he gave, became, he gave it publicly, he became an idol worshipper. And he was destined for, for destruction. What we see from here, and if you look at the pattern, it's fascinating. Because the very first representative of Malchus Yehuda was none other than Yehuda himself. And Yehuda himself was rebuked by Yosef. David HaMelech was the first Melech of Malchus Yehuda and he was rebuked by Shemi ben Gera, who was the representative of Yosef. He was Rishon L'chol Beis Yosef like he identified himself. He was a representative of Malchus Beis Yosef. Shlomo HaMelech was the greatest king of Malchus Yehuda and he was rebuked by Yeruvam who represented Yosef. This was something HaKadosh Baruch Hu had put into the system. Malchus Beis Yosef was always meant to exist. Rav Shem Pincus explains this as, at length, and it's really a zayar. Malchus Beis Yosef was always meant to exist, and they were meant to be a supplement to Malchus Yehuda. So, very much like a husband-wife relationship. Malchus Yehuda were the leaders. Malchus Yehuda were the greatest kings. They were the ones who represented Malchus Shemaim. They represented Malchus. Malchus Beis Yosef represented Yosef's Midav, Tzidkis. They were pure righteousness. And they were there to call out Malchus Yehuda when they did something wrong. They were there for that sake, that purpose only. They had the, the power, the strength of character, and the righteousness to be that objective opinion and point out to Malchus Yehuda, you're doing something wrong. And that's exactly what Yosef did to Yehuda, when he said, Ani Yosef, Chazal say, He rebuked Yehuda and all the Shvatim. He gave them rebuke. But, Yosef HaTzadik did something very important first. Pasuk says, Yosef could not stand for all those who were standing there. Send everybody out. Nobody stood with him when Yosef revealed himself to his brothers. Rashi says, He couldn't bear that the Egyptians should be standing around that his brothers are getting embarrassed when he reveals himself to them. Yosef was the first to give rebuke to Malchah Yehuda, but he did it the right way. Way he refused 
to embarrass. He refused to cause embarrassment to his brothers. He would not do it publicly. And his two successors, Shimi ben Gera and Yeravim ben Nevat, they both followed in his footsteps and they were doing the right thing. They were trying to rebuke David Amalek, they were trying to rebuke Shlomo Amalek, but they both made the same mistake. They did it publicly. They actually intended to humiliate David Amalek and Shlomo Amalek. They made a very core mistake when it comes to giving rebuke. <clears throat> They undoubtedly thought, and this is a mistake that we all make, often, they thought that if I don't rebuke him publicly, if I don't lay it on into him, in front of Amve'ed, in front of everybody, they'll just blow me off. They'll ignore me. They won't listen to me. They're the high king. They're the powerful king. The rulers of the world. Shlomo Melech was the most powerful person in the whole civilized world and possibly ever according to Chazal and Megillah. He's never going to listen to me. My only chance is to, to do it publicly, to embarrass him, let him feel it. Then maybe he'll listen. And that's misunderstanding the purpose of rebuke. The Pasuk says, You have to rebuke your friend. It's an obligation. But he cannot get embarrassed, Chazal say. He cannot carry a grudge against you once you rebuke him. The most important principle about rebuke is that the purpose of rebuke is not to force the person to stop sinning and it's not to force him to change his path and have good midas. The purpose of rebuke is not to demonstrate the truth to someone or to force them to see the emes. The purpose of rebuke is to help a person see on his own where he went wrong. The best rebuke in the world involves very little input from the person giving the rebuke. It's when the person giving the rebuke can just facilitate an honest self-introspection. Anything else, anything more than that, diminishes any chance of the rebuke being effective and also has a negative effect on the person giving the rebuke. Look at the rebuke that, Shlai, that, that Yeram ben Avad gave Shlaim HaMalach. Essentially, it was brilliant and it was simple. All he did was lay down the facts. He said, Shlaima HaMelech, look what's going on here. Your father David HaMelech broke open the wall for the sake of the Eil Regalim, and you're closing it up for the sake of Bas Parai. That's all he said. He just laid down the facts. He gave him an objective view. You should know what this looks like. And Shlomo Melch knew what he did, and he knew what his father did, and he undoubtedly had a thousand justifications for what he did. But when someone presents the facts in front of you, unbiased, objective, and says, look at the facts, this is how it's being looked at. So then Shlomo Melch would now have an opportunity to internalize those facts and say, you know what, I need to reconsider. And would... Yeruvam have done this properly without using humiliation as a tool to force Shlaim Hamalch into, into repenting, without using humiliation as a tool seeming to force the issue to create, to, to, to make Shlaim Hamalch see his point, or to force him to change even if he didn't see his point, that not only worked against him and caused Shlaim Hamalch to chase him away, it also destroyed him personally because it gave him a feeling and a sense of power that I can force him instead of what it was supposed to do 
was actually humility, to just try to demonstrate. I'm trying to help you understand what it, what's going on here. And as a result, it destroyed him as a king. Shimon ben Gerid made the same mistake. And there's a safer, it's a, a Talmud of the... Of, of the um, uh, Megala Mukais, we're early Mukubal, very, very early. And he's a Talmud, he goes to explain that Shimi Megera actually thought he was doing the same thing that Yoram Benavat was eventually going to do. He thought that the kingdom was already supposed to divide now. Very long explanation, it's fascinating, but they were both going on the same track. Shimi Megera had rebuke to give David Amalek, and that was fine. He was entitled to give that rebuke. That was really his job. I mean, he was the representative of Malchus Beis Yosef, and he was the highest Talmud Chacham of the land. Who else was going to give rebuke to David HaMelech? But he did it publicly. He tried to humiliate David HaMelech. And that was where the rebuke was mistaken, and he earned himself the death penalty. When we need to point out something to a friend, a spouse, a sibling, a child, our own children, we have to keep this in mind. So we certainly have to be super careful not to embarrass them. Number one, obviously, no one else should be there. No one else who doesn't have to hear the rebuke should be there. And secondly, the more that we can make the rebuke a simple statement of facts, a simple representation, of course our own opinion, but a representation of what happens and what it is, laying out the reality in front of the person being rebuked, that can allow them, the person being rebuked, to come to the conclusion on their own. If you want to punish and deal out consequences, as we said, that's a whole different ballpark. That's actually much easier than rebuke. That's, there was a rule, it was broken, you, you give consequences. But if you want to rebuke, that means you're, you're, you're judging the person. Let the person judge themselves. And it takes some thought but it's ultimately something very doable. And the more we can stay away from causing any embarrassment, that we're not the cause of the embarrassment. Any embarrassment that happens, the person should be embarrassed of themselves. The person should be ashamed of themselves, not because we're embarrassing them. We're just telling them what happened. Any sense of shame should be self-inflicted. And then no grudge will be, had, will be held against you. The person won't hold anything against you as, as a result. So key number one is don't ever cause embarrassment through rebuke. Now David Amalek was unique in his greatness that he was able to see past the inappropriateness and misdemeanor of Shimi ben Gera, and he was able to accept the rebuke nonetheless. And he did so by separating the rebuke from the rebuker. He recognized that whatever humiliation a person receives Whatever words come into our ears, they're intended, we're intended to hear that from Hashem. And this is such a powerful message. And of course, to be on the level of David HaMelech is to be on the level of an angel. But the concept is something we can internalize, and it's such a powerful concept. What David HaMelech is telling us, and what he's teaching us, is that like this. We'll often hear comments from people. We'll hear disparaging comments. We'll hear discouraging comments. Sometimes we're trying to do good. We're doing our best. We're doing our job. We're helping people, we're helping the community. And not only perhaps do we not get appreciated, not only perhaps do we not get positive feedback, perhaps we get negative feedback. People try to discourage us. We're doing our job, we're working at work, and our boss says something negative to us. Not only does he not appreciate what we're doing, he judges us, and he makes us feel bad. People try to discourage us, people try 
to take away our motivation. And obviously what we need to do is to say, no, I'm going to continue nonetheless. But David Amal tells us, realize that if you heard the words, you heard the words for a reason. And no, not to discourage you, but on the contrary, to help us achieve some humility. Because that's what David Melch understood. Shimon Megeri, you're wrong. I didn't do that. I wasn't behind that. But I understand if I'm hearing that, it's meant to cause me some humility because there was a murder that I was involved in that Hashem wants me to hear about. And that was the murder of Bathsheba's husband. So he was, what he was saying was totally wrong. But I understand Hashem wants me to hear this. So there's always something that Hashem wants me to hear. And, so, and oftentimes, when I'm doing something, I'm doing something for the sake of others. I'm doing a chesed, I'm doing a mitzvah, I'm serving the klal, I'm working my hardest, I'm doing my best. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you want to do it better? Do it with humility. You want to do it with Hashem Shemayim and do your job with a purity and be more successful and have a greater effect and have a better effect upon yourself. The more humility you have, the greater you'll become. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us these words so that we hear them. And if we could be on the level of David HaMelech, we could separate the rebuke from the rebuker. And the rebuke he understood he needed to hear, and it caused him to do tshuva. And the rebuker he dealt with, as was necessary at the time, at the proper time. <clears throat> David couldn't punish, punish Shimi himself, probably because it would seem to be a personal vendetta, and that was the last thing he wanted us to know. David Amal's legacy to us was there are no personal vendettas. It's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have nothing with him. I didn't, what Shimi did was straight from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now Shimi had to be punished because it was either for his own good or for the sake of the kingdom. But it wasn't because of me. So he left it over to Shlaim HaMelech. Chazal tells us even a greater thing. Chazal tells us that David HaMelech saw in Ruach HaKadosh that Shimi ben Geir was going to be the great-great-great-grandfather of Mordechai HaTadik. So he could not have Shimi ben Geir killed before he had had this child that would produce eventually Mordechai HaTadik. So there was also an element of Ruch HaKadosh here as well. But regardless, the point that David HaMelech is teaching us is how to accept rebuke. We find it very difficult to accept rebuke because we look at the personal aspect. That person is rebuking me. He's wrong. He has a vendetta. He humiliated me. He did it all wrong. He has the wrong idea. And all those things are true. And David Amal says, that's fine. Take the rebuker out of the picture. The words you heard in your ear got there for a reason. And what they want to teach us is how to utilize rebuke for us to achieve humility. And to David Amalek, it enabled him to achieve the greatest level of his life. When he withstood this test, he did not put Shimi ben Geir to death. He did tshuva as a result of Shimi ben Geir's rebuke. Chazal say he achieved the level of regular revi le Merkava, which means Avram is one leg of the Merkava of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's chariot. Yitzchak is number two. Yaakov Avinu is number three. No one else in history added to that. Not Moshe Rabbeinu. No one. David HaMalach achieved regal reveal in Merkava. He became the fourth and final pillar that supports Malchus Shemayim in this world. At this point, at the lowest point in his life, when he ex- accepted the most extreme humiliation, at that point, he totally humbled himself in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and thereby was a true, pure conduit of Malchus Shemayim in this world. And that's the tremendous power 
that we can achieve by accepting rebuke when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends it our way. So the lessons we're learning tonight are the lesson number one, when giving rebuke, we can learn first from Yaakov Avinu that it's of utmost importance that the person doesn't feel like a failure, you don't make the person feel like a disappointment. And the rebu- what we're learning from David HaMelech that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts rebuke into place for the greatest people. He's made Malchus Beis Yosef for the sole purpose of rebuking David HaMelech, Malchus Beis David, but it has to be done in a way that doesn't cause any embarrassment. It has to be presented in a way that the person who hears the rebuke comes to the conclusion on their own what they did wrong. They come to that conclusion on their own that they have to re and reassess what they're doing, reevaluate their ways, and their, any shame they feel is from their own actions. And when we successfully give rebuke without causing direct embarrassment at our hands, we're both successful that the rebuke can be heard and that we become better people. And we learn from David HaMelech that when rebuke comes our way, we need to, as best as we can, separate the rebuker from the rebuke. The rebuke we're meant to hear. We're always meant to hear it. Whether it means we should listen to the particular rebuke or whether it's just there to humble us so that we can understand we need to proceed with humility. Every person has to do a cheshben and nefesh to know what the purpose of that rebuke is. But if we heard it, we heard it for a reason. And through that, we can achieve the greatest possible levels that a person can achieve in this world. Thank you very much. Have a good night.